0: Welcome to my podcast, Midlife with Courage, where my goal is to inspire you, a woman who wants to step outside of her comfort zone and live an amazing life. I'm Kim Benoy. I'll share my experiences, stories, and interviews with other amazing women that are meant to help you take those first steps towards something fantastic. So let's not wait another minute to get started. Hey everyone, guess what time of the year it is? It's the time to order your new planner for the next year. 2023 is right around the corner. And you all know what kind of planner or which planner I use. I use the Soul Planner. I just love it. It helps me break down my goals for the year. And it helps hold me accountable. And it's really pretty. And you know what? This version, I was actually one of the people who helped decide what was going to go into it. So I did have some input in it. So I'm so excited to see the actual, the final product. So if you are ready to get your planner for next year, just go to my website, midlifewithcourage.com and go to the resources page and you will find a link to order your soul planner for 2023. That will be coming out later this month. So get ready. Bye-bye. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Midlife with Courage. I'm Kim Benoit, your host, and I'm so happy that you're here. Today I have a wonderful guest. Her name is also Kim. Her name is Kim Sorrell, and she is an author. She's a director of a humanitarian organization. She's a speaker and she's also a cancer survivor. So,
1: Kim, welcome to Midlife with Courage. Kim, I am happy to be here and I love your name.
0: Oh, you too. Yes, I love yours too. <laughs> awesome. So So, Kim, tell us a little bit. I just said what you do. Why don't you tell us who you are, where you're from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, A lot of people, when they think of Michigan, they think of Detroit. I'm on the other side of the state, um, Lake Michigan. So, not far from Chicago. Chicago's like right across the lake. I am mother of five and grandmother of 11, and uh, being a grandmother makes me know why I didn't kill my children when they were <laughs> younger and driving me crazy. So,
0: Can I just know. say, you I, you do not look like you have any grandchildren. You, you just don't, but and I love that you said that too about your,
1: your kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all have those moments, I think. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 18 years old and I've been in business all my life and involved in the nonprofit world and love what I do. I uh, love life. I love people. I love dogs too, just like you.
0: Yay! yay. I don't have any,
1: but I love them. Oh my gosh. But yeah. Yep. I write, I speak, I do what I can to make a difference in the world.
0: Awesome. Wow. that's awesome. So we connect in, in a lot of different ways. That's awesome. Um, so mm-hmm. tell us your story. I know you went through some kind of tough times and kind of led to some good things. So let's talk about your story, wherever you'd like yes. to start with it.
1: All right. Well, so I was going to be the first woman president. I oh. had my life laid out before me. I wasn't going to get married, not have kids, and you know, how many kids and grandkids later, right? But <laughs> Um, I wasn't, I knew my path. I knew what I was going to do. And then this tall, dark, handsome man walked into the room and stole my heart and changed my life. And so, uh, I married my husband a little less than a year after I met him, I could have married him 10 days after I met him. In fact, I proposed to him 10 days after we met and he said, yes,
0: did wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the grand proposals that you see these days, you know, it wasn't really planned, it was just kind of spontaneous, and I just was that in love, and uh, fortunately for me, so was he. (laughs) We got married a couple years later, started having kids, and we were looking forward to being empty nesters, because we got married a little less than a year, like I said, and then... uh, two years later here come the babies and so we didn't have that much time just the two of us alone and so empty nesting man that sounded good to us you know kids going away to college coming back you know whatever it was time it was it was really good time I don't know what you do when you're an empty nester if you run around naked or what it is but whatever it was I was looking forward to it so uh a month after becoming empty nesters I got the the dreaded phone call on a Friday afternoon that I had breast cancer and so didn't know what to do with that you know um especially on a Friday afternoon when you can't call a doctor and find out
0: that is horrible timing
1: yeah well and I expected the lifetime moment you know where they (laughs) call you you go in with your husband you're sitting across the desk from the doctor and they say oh well you have cancer, you know, whatever. Well, it wasn't that, it was just this phone call. But anyway, uh, so I learned quickly how to deal with that and and what that was gonna mean for my future. And and then four months after I was diagnosed, my husband who was having stomach issues from about two weeks after I was diagnosed on and gone to the doctor three different times for it, He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then passed away six weeks later.
0: Only six weeks.
1: Only six weeks. And we had a fabulous six weeks. I had a great marriage. I often say and truly believe that I had it better than most people have it their whole life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had it great. He was a wonderful man, wonderful dad. And I miss him like crazy, but- I found out quickly that there are things that you choose in life and things that you don't. And I would never choose to have cancer. I would never choose for my husband to have cancer. I would never choose to lose him at, I was 47 years old. You know, we were going to be the old couple in our nineties and rockers drinking lemonade on the front porch, right? Yeah, Yeah. And so those are choices that I had no control over, but what I can control is how I approach life. And I can control being joyful and happy. I can control what I do with my day. I can, I can control those things. And so I control the things I can.
0: Wonderful. Oh, wow. So how did you choose to move on? I, I don't wanna say move on like you left, the whole grieving process, I've been talking about that a lot where people, well, when are you over it? And you aren't over it, right?
1: Right. You just right. have
0: to kind of keep moving. Um, so what did you do then with that? Now that you, you know, were choosing to, you know, making those kinds of choices on how you were going to approach life. What did you do?
1: Well, it was interesting because losing the love of my life made me question love. Mm-hmm. The, the real meaning of love, because it's not like you go to the bookstore and there's a handbook on love or love for dummies, right? (laughs) Right. We learn from our folks. We learn from whoever's in our life about love. And not everything we learn about love is love. And not everything done in the name of love really is love. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to find out, well, what really is love? It's like this mystery, really, that we've had in our world for ever. And what does it really mean? And so I decided I would dedicate a full year to figuring out the true meaning of love. And I use this 2000 year old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings and your eyes kind of glaze over because you hear it so often, but <laughs> love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, etc. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was read at our wedding. <laughs> there you go, yep, yep.
1: And probably a lot of other people's. Yeah, And and it's great. I yeah. mean, great, but what does it all mean? And mm-hmm. And so I decided I would take one word a month and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? And I quickly figured out that math made it not possible to do in a year because there are 14 is is and (laughs) isn't of love. So it took me a little longer than a year. Mm -hmm. But what I found was revolutionary, like things I've never heard about love before. And uh, it changed my life and I think really would change anybody's life. And so I put it in a book, Mm -hmm. Love Is, is the name of the book, mm-hmm. and um, it's been selling great. It just won the International Book Award. Oh, congratulations! Thank you very much. And so it's hopefully impacting lives. I'm pretty passionate about yeah. love and what it means for people.
0: Yeah. So, what are maybe one or two things that you that surprised you about love, what it is?
1: Uh, There's everything surprised me. Every every month I would go in saying, okay, you know, love is patient, love is patient, love is patient, you know, and just kind of look for it everywhere and try to figure it out. And Uh every single month I must be a slow learner or something, (laughs) but it took me until the end of the month to figure out what it was. Okay. I was in Haiti uh, the majority of the time that I was working on it. And so looking for love on the streets of Haiti and had crazy experiences happen uh some very funny some very heart-touching but um like kind mm-hmm. kind is you know love is kind mm-hmm. well you're kind I'm sure I'm kind everyone's kind you do kind things you show kindness right sure But what is love that is kind I wasn't sure yeah yeah, so it can be a whole different thing, and so I wrestled with that one for an entire month and nearly threw in the towel. But then I met Christopher. Christopher was three months old when I met him. He uh, was at this place that I love to go in Port-au-Prince, it's Home for Sick Children, run by Mother Teresa's Order of the Sisters of Charity, and I love to go there and uh, help. So the babies are in the lower level. I love to go in the lower level, find a baby and just love on that baby all day. So I was there and here was Christopher and the most beautiful baby in this pink terry cloth sleeper just laying on this mattress and sound asleep. And he looked so peaceful and so beautiful. And so relaxed like melting into the mattress <laughs> and as i reached down to hold his hand i noticed there was a woman standing at the end of the crib mm-hmm. and she looked so gloom and so sad but she was obviously related to christopher and so as the morning went by i found out their story so christopher christopher's mother was Natalie, the woman standing there, Natalie's only child. Mm-hmm. And she died shortly after giving birth to Christopher on Natalie's one room dirt floor. Oh. And then Christopher was having a hard time with milk. And Natalie thought it was because it wasn't his mother's, but then as time went by, it was worse and worse. And so she walked with Christopher for miles to get to the home for sick children. And when they got there, they don't really have a lot of medical equipment there, but with a stethoscope, they figured out he must have a blockage of some sort, probably something that would be handled easily uh, in the US, but we're in Haiti, where there's few hospitals, few doctors, and so wasn't handled yet. And so uh, Christopher had IV, he had uh, oxygen tiny little prongs oh my gosh and his tiny little nostrils feeding him oxygen and at one point in the day after Natalie got comfortable touching Christopher because at first she was intimidated by the tubes and needles you know whatever but we just bonded like women do right Mm -hmm. mom to mom grandma to grandma right yeah and so uh as the day went by and but one point in the day Christopher stopped breathing and so did we and in a scurry we noticed that there was a kink in his oxygen tube and as soon as we straightened it out we all breathed again and it was so apparent that christopher had to have surgery to survive and so i started calling around to find a portable oxygen tank and i i know a lot of people in haiti and i called everyone i could think of in Mm port-au-prince some people went to go try to find one some people had no idea where to go, but no one could locate one anywhere. A portable oxygen tank in the city with 2 million people. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so that was the dilemma. What, what is Natalie going to do? She had to make the call without surgery He's going to die without oxygen. He's going to die. Mm -hmm. But the hospital where the doctor was that was willing to do the surgery wasn't that far away. But there's infrastructure for like 40,000 people in Port-au-Prince. So getting anywhere takes a long time. Mm -hmm. So a van pulled up close to the door and kept the engine running. And then one of the sisters grabbed Christopher's IV bag while another sister scooped him up in her arms and pulled the oxygen away and ran to the door to get in the van and I turned around and there was Natalie and I said Natalie go go and she pointed down at her at her feet and she was barefooted and she knew the hospital would not let her in without shoes so I quickly whipped off my sandals and put them in one of her hands and I grabbed her other hand ran for the door and she hopped in the van just as it was pulling away uh uh-huh. So of course I gave her my shoes. I think anybody would would do the same, right? Of course you're going to give your shoes. So I showed love that is kind. And then I finally understood it Uh. because I knew I'd never see Natalie again. I'd never get my shoes back again. Mm -hmm. But I showed love that is kind. Love that is kind is no expectation love. You do things not to get stuff. You do things not, you know, you don't give a casserole because a friend is sick, because then that friend will give you a casserole when you're sick. I mean, you you might do that, but that's not love. That's not love. Yeah. Love right. That is kind. It, it expects nothing, nothing in return. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many times I've even said in the past, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't even say thank you, you know, or yeah. I went to their daughter's wedding. Where were they at mine? You know, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. But love that is kind is. Being kind, showing kindness, doing kind things with zero expectation, zero expectation of anything in return. Um, And so I knew I'd never get my sandals back, whatever. But I'll tell you what the kindness that Natalie showed me that day, mm -hmm. sharing Christopher with me, Mm -hmm. allowing me to love on that baby, that beautiful baby boy that I will never, ever, ever forget. Mm -hmm. Her kindness, knowing that she would never see me, not knowing that you would get nothing from allowing me in to their lives that day. Right. That was so much greater than a pair of shoes.
0: Sure. Oh, yeah. Amazing story. Why were you in Haiti? Was it to look for your what love is? Or is that part of your um, humanitarian
1: work? Or? Well, I went to Haiti uh, nine months after my husband died. I was physically able to do something, go back yeah. to work my businesses or go back to my nonprofit that I'd run before I yeah. had to resign from, um, because of my cancer. And, well,
0: oh, yeah, I was going to say, you were probably going through treatment yourself.
1: Yeah. During I that time to too. Through, right. Exactly. And so, um, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And so I, I ran into the man at, that was running this nonprofit organization, raise of hope international, that my father and I had started 10 years before. And, I said, "Hey, you need any help?" And I said, "How about bookkeeping?" And and so I started January first as a part-time bookkeeper. And 12 days later, there was an earthquake in Haiti that killed 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. So within two weeks, I was in Haiti. And then for the next several years, spent part of every month in Haiti.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So that was your connection there. Wow. Um. So do you find a lot of times women in our stage of life, um. They they know there's something more out there, but they're just just not quite sure what to do with it or how to get get they just know there's more and then how like what are they gonna do? Did you ever have that? Or it kind of sounds like from a younger age you were like looking forward to this time of life and um, you know, you knew you wanted to do things, but how what was that experience like? Was it, you know what I'm trying to ask? <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And I think it's um, midlife crisis or it's a, you know, it can be called so many different things. But I think uh, probably most of us have that inside of us where we want to do more. We want to make sure, especially women our age, when you're younger, I think maybe you're not thinking about it so much. But um, as you get older, you realize there's only so much time and then there's no guarantees that you're gonna have as much time as, as you think you are, that you're just gonna die in your sleep, you know, yeah. at like old age of 102 or something. Yeah. And So to look at life and think, well, what am I gonna re- be remembered by? Or, you know, what kind of a legacy am I leaving my children, my grandchildren? Mm-hmm. You know, what, who is it that I am? Who is right. it that, that I want to be? And so to find something, do something. I mean, I think that's part of grief too, Kim, is that uh, there are people that I think we probably all know people that have really had a hard time coming out of grief, Mm -hmm. um, coming out of it enough to live. And I think part of that is, is feeling like you're being disrespectful to the person that you love so dearly and lost. And how can you really laugh again? Mm -hmm. And is it okay to be happy and and live again after this great loss mm-hmm. and i uh, i think part of it too is not the not knowing what to do mm-hmm. and not knowing what life should look like after a loss mm-hmm. and so i think finding what to do but the biggest thing i think you can do is to serve other people mm-hmm. because then you get outside yourself mm-hmm. and then the grief changes and the purpose in life changes. I think everybody, if everybody helped somebody, and it doesn't mean you have to go to Haiti like I did, you know, you don't have yeah. to, but there are places to volunteer in your own town. And, and we're all busy, you know, we're busy chasing around kids or grandkids or going to softball games and hockey games or whatever it is that we're doing and cooking meals. Oh, my word cooking meals (laughs) I like to cook but not every single day
0: I me too. I like if someone would just tell me what to cook and get me the groceries I will cook it right but but I don't like having to figure it out
1: no no to think of something and then if you don't plan ahead oh my gosh that night you're like oh my word where's the nearest Burger King I don't even (laughs) know what to do but nobody wants that either (laughs) <laughs> but so, uh, but there are things that you can do that are beyond even having to go to the local soup kitchen or kids food basket or whatever, wherever, or build a house for Habitat. I mean, it, even showing love that is kind to people at the grocery store, helping the woman next door who has a hard time getting out to the grocery store, bring Bringing her groceries, asking her, is there anything she needs before you leave? Or there there are so many things that you can do to give to serve others. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just kind of think in terms of loving and serving other people, the sky's the limit. I mean, right, yeah, it doesn't have to take a ton of time, but it's just a beautiful thing. It just changes your life when you get outside yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, you kind of turn it around to serving others. And then that that helps you feel better, too. So even just like smiling at people, you know, we're so tied into like our phones or what we have to do. And like, if you're walking somewhere, I'm I'm trying to make a conscious effort just to look people in the eye and smile at them. And then they might think I'm crazy or weird, but that's okay. At least I smiled. I wasn't, you know, frowning.
1: (laughs) Well, and, you know, a simple act like that can really change somebody's day. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea what people are going through ever, right? Right, right. right. So it's just something simple. And talking about that love that is patient mm-hmm. uh, is an interesting one because patience, you know, <laughs> you know, patience. I know patience, right? Yeah, yeah. it's
0: not my strong suit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was always afraid to pray for it because they say you pray for it and God gives it to you. And it's like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, But patient and love that are patient, two different things, again, and love that is patient. uh, I believe you're supposed to love everybody. If you love everybody, you live a different life, right? Mm -hmm. And so you love whoever it is you're with uh, enough to realize that this moment right here right now is the most important moment of your life. Mm -hmm. what's in the past is in the past and what's in the future is yet to come Mm -hmm. and this took me some practice because I don't know about you but I can easily be in conversation I thought it was a great multitasker and I could be in conversation think about my uh, meeting later that night stopping to get groceries on the way home what happened yesterday and be fully engaged all at the same time and realize quickly I can't I can't (laughs) And so, but to be fully engaged, to give the person you're with your full attention, Mm -hmm. then you really hear what they have to say. You're not making assumptions about what they say, and it makes you care about what they have to say, and you might learn something. So being fully engaged, that's love. Thinking about what you got to do later, that's not love. That's just, I'll give you, I'll look at you for a second. Yeah. But don't think that I'm really here, but I'll look at you, you know, that it's not love.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I love that. I'm sure that book has so many um, helpful stories and hints for us all. So I would encourage my listeners to go out and grab that. I'm going to grab that myself. (laughs) So where would we find Love Is? Is that on Amazon or?
1: Yes, it's on Amazon, right. On my website, on Amazon, it's available at all online booksellers. It's available at book brick and mortar stores too. Okay. Um, Uh, So different stores across the country, Barnes and Noble being one of them. Okay. That that has the book. And
0: I think just to put in a plug for small businesses, if you have a local bookstore, go and ask them about it and they can probably order it for you. So you're supporting Kim and you're supporting the small business in your area as well. And love is, is not your only book, correct?
1: Right. Yes. What else you have? Yeah, cry Until You Laugh is the name of my other book. And I started writing when I was diagnosed with cancer because I went to the bookstore, like I do apparently for everything. <laughs> and, uh, and everything was either very medical or depressing. And I just wanted the facts. What does it feel like? What am I going to go through? What is it like? You know, do I have to make decisions? I, there was so much about it that I had no idea. So I started writing. Uh, Kind of as a way to update family and friends, Um, you know, today I'm going to the doctor, but my writing was so much more than that and how I was feeling and, you know, the thoughts and things in my head. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading my emails and I continued writing when my husband was diagnosed. And, and uh, in fact, I think the last entry in my book is tomorrow I leave for Haiti. So I wrote for a little over a year. And uh, that is crying until you laugh. And
0: oh, wonderful. So I'm always curious. Did you did you always want to write a book, or did it just kind of happen because you like to write?
1: Well, I, I guess I've always kind of liked to write, but uh, really, it just kind of happened. And this hopefully is encouraging too for your listeners because they're our age. I, I say our age, I'm yes. probably way older than you are, but our age. Oh. <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, is that there, it's never too late to do anything. I mean, I, whatever, you can write a book, you got a book inside, you write it, you know, do, do whatever, whatever it is, or pick it up, you know, whatever it yeah. happens to me, but yes. yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that message. I, yeah. One of my, actually just had an episode come out of a 80 year old who taught herself to paint when she was 76. Like Good for just, her. just taught herself how to do it. She watched YouTube videos and she figured it out. And now she has this little business and she loves it. So yeah, it's never too late to do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that message. Um, Kim, this has been such a joy to talk to you. I really appreciate you um, being on the show. Um, why don't you give us, we're going to put this information in the show notes, but tell us your website. Um, if you have an email you want people to know, or how, how can we find you and get hold of you if we want to?
1: Yeah. I'm actually very easy to find because I am literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because it nice. is obnoxious. that It has way too many letters, two <laughs> R's, two L's, two E's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E, Kim Sorrell. So my website is kimsorrell.com. And my email, Kim at kimsorrell.com, a little redundant, I guess. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Uh, all of the social media platforms. Um, I actually do a how-to on TikTok that I just started. That's been fun. Oh,
0: fun. (laughs) You're venturing into TikTok. I'm not being that brave yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's a riot. Yeah. You know, because they're 20 second little videos, you know, I mean, it's fun. Okay. Yeah, so I'm easy to find and love to connect with people. I've got a free 14 day challenge. Oh, yeah, tell us about that. On my Facebook and uh, if, or on my website. So if you go and you sign up for the 14 day love challenge, I will send you a free WWLD, what would love do wristband. And uh, it's a, it's a pretty easy challenge. And it's not like it's time going to consume your 14 days, but it might consume your mind in your 14 days a little bit. And that's a very good thing. That's a good thing.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, I will, we'll put that link in the show notes too. So people can go ahead and do that. Um, again, thank you so much. And I would love to um, connect with you another time too. I think this has been great.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel the same. I feel we're kids. They're kids. Yes,
0: yes, nice. yes. That's yes. It's awesome. All right. Well, you take care and we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Midlife with Courage. And I hope that you've been inspired and motivated to live your amazing life. I'm Kim Benoy, and I want you to live every moment. For more inspiration and motivation, check out my website, www.midlifewithcourage.com. You can read more about my story and find links to more great information. Take care of your beautiful self, and I'll talk to you soon.